Good morning, friends. We're going to open this morning at Revelation chapter 19. And it seemed like a fun idea in preparation. It takes a lot of reading to preach. I'm going to preach this week and next week um, from Revelation chapter 19, possibly into 20 as well. And I want to get us thinking a little bit about eternity. Not because I claim to have any knowledge that it's coming any sooner than we might think it is, but it is good for us to be reminded of what is coming in eternity. So we're going to read the first 10 verses of Revelation chapter 19. And it reads, After this, I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude of heaven, crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen! Hallelujah! And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be a voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brother who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you that the words that we read in Scripture are your words. They are words that have a purpose, that have a relevance and a meaning to our life. And we pray, Lord, that in the stillness this morning, would you speak to each of our hearts. Lord, would you open up these words to us? Would you teach us something new, something fresh this morning that it might encourage us and embolden us in this week ahead? Amen. As I've said, this week we want to look forward a little bit. Look a little bit into eternity. I've been thinking about questions like, what will heaven look like? What will the end look like? be like but before we want to get into that passage I want to just show you a little something on screen and explain that our, our teenagers that would normally be out in two ways with me for the time that I'm preaching are going to be in church with us and something that we've introduced on our Tuesday nights and our Sunday mornings in the last couple of weeks is this this is one of the formats we are teaching our young people as we come to scripture three things the light bulb the question mark and the arrow the light bulb, what is it that stands out to me from this passage? The question mark, what is difficult to understand in this passage? And the arrow, how on earth does this apply to my life? And I thought if we're going to teach this to our young people, it is a tool to study scripture, 
then I should probably show them that this is relevant and applicable. So in my sermons for the next maybe a while, we'll see how it goes, I'm going to use these three things as I go through, as I pull this out. So at some point there'll be a slide with a light bulb, one with a question mark and one with an arrow, because I believe that if we're going to show this to our young people as a way to study scripture, then we should show them that it is useful. Three things from Revelation chapter 19 this morning. God is judge, God reigns, be ready. Can someone go shut the doors to Sunday school? Is that right? I'm just getting really distracted by that music. Thank you. Sorry. God has judged his enemies. Our first four verses. There's some strange language in here. We read this and we go, oh man, this is revelation and this is tough. What on earth does it mean? What on earth is the great prostitute? But written, it's written about Babylon. That's what we see, verses 17, 18, that goes before we're, we're thinking about the nation of Babylon. I don't want to go into an in-depth uh, analysis of the end times this morning. I'm not going to try and unpack all of the imagery and decipher all the questions that we have as we come to it. But Babylon that is referred to here most likely isn't the place in modern-day desolate desert Iraq, but it's much more likely symbolic of the world as Jesus would describe it and we read Jesus's description of the world in John 15 18 and 19 Jesus says if the world if the world hates you know that it has hated me before it hated you if you were of the world the world would love you as its own but because you are not of the world I chose you out of the world therefore the world hates you and when the Lord Jesus was here on earth he spoke of the great hatred that the world had for him and his own and in the chapters that go before, we've got all these references to, to governments, to religion, to, to commerce and trading. And basically what's being referred to at the beginning of here, that which will be judged in the fall of Babylon in the chapter before, is what Jesus calls the world. What will be judged is the pinnacle of sin, of pride, of self-indulgence. God will judge that. There will be an end to sinfulness. And God will be the judge of that. And interestingly, what we find here is we find the heavens rejoicing at the judgment. Passages like this can often indicate to us how far removed we can be from a biblical understanding of God's character. Because we read things like this and think, why on earth are people rejoicing at the judgment of others? Why on earth is heaven celebrating the judgment of the wicked? Well, very simply, heaven is celebrating because the judgment signals the triumph of Jesus. Jesus has won. And all those that are in him will be saved. It shows us that God has the authority over all things. God is the great judge. And we take great comfort in that because wickedness will not go unpunished. Injustices, atrocities, oppression, slavery, the evil that we see in this world will be judged by a judge far superior to any court we may ever know. And when we think of that judgment, we're awestruck by the fact that God is a just God. That he is so holy, that he is so righteous, that he is so pure, that he would spare even one. 
Because though, of course, God is merciful and God is gracious too, God is just. Secondly, we find in verses 5 and 6, God is reigning. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be a voice of a great multitude, like a roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Ali, thank you for leading us and stirring a bit of this image in us this morning of just the multitudes that will gather. This great gathering. Millions, tens, hundreds, billions of people will one day gather to celebrate and glorify the Lord Jesus. And in that multitude there will be people we might be surprised to see. There'll be people from every denomination, every race, every tribe, every language from around the world. And together with our brothers and sisters, we will declare hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Four times in these verses we read the word hallelujah. Hallelujah is like this repetitive baseline that is going through all of this. That is teaching us whether in judgment, whether in the time of reigning, whether at the end of the earth. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. He is to be praised from the beginning. He is to be praised in the middle. He is to be praised in the good and, and, and the bad and the ugly in the middle of that. He is to be praised when, when judgment comes. He is to be praised as we prepare ourselves for what is to come into eternity. So here's my light bulb moment. I am called to praise God And in heaven, there's going to be a lot of praise. What's heaven going to be like? The endless praise and adoration of God. We read in Psalm 97 verse 1, The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. As far as is the east from the west, from the north to the south, from the tallest to the deepest, our God Reigns. God has been reigning in the throne of heaven. But here we see him coming, conquering the thrones of the earth. And in his sovereignty, God has allowed evil man and evil angels to do their worst. But the time is coming when that will be finished. There is a time coming when Jesus is coming for his bride that he has paid the price for. So here's the reminder in amongst all of this, in amongst justice and amongst destruction and the point that is helpful for all of us. Our God reigns. He reigned in the beginning before there was anything. Before he breathed a single thing into existence. Still he reigned when Adam and Eve sinned. He reigned throughout the life of Abraham. He reigned though his people rebelled time and time again. Still he reigned as his son hung on the tree and everything looked lost. 
Our God reigns in the midst of war, of famine, of natural disaster and pandemic. And you know, God will reign to the very last day and then for all of eternity after that as well. That's worth praising. That is worth us praising right now. Actually, that's worth us getting excited about. That's worth getting excited about because this is the God that we are gathered this morning to worship. This is the God that reigns. I want to spend most of our time in our third point here. We're going to expand this as well. The the idea that I am called to praise. But I want to read verses 7 to 10. And the bride being ready. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We're getting very, very close to the end of the Bible here. We're getting very, very close to the end of God's plan for all of history. And we also come to the summit of praise. And with that light bulb in mind, I come to the question mark of what should our praise look like now? Verse 7, let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. What do we see in the book of Revelation when we talk of eternity and we see those worshipping in the heavens? Firstly, praise is enthusiastic. Often when we meet, we don't want to sing too loud. We don't want to praise too loud just in case we draw attention to ourselves. There's a time for quiet and there's a time for still. That's very important. Jesus did it frequently with his father. But there is also something completely invigorating and exciting about a large number of Christians gathering together to praise God with a sincere enthusiasm. One of the most difficult questions I was ever asked by a fellow um, pastor was, do you show more enthusiasm for worshipping God than your football team? On personal reflection, am I more excited to be here at church this morning than I am for hibs and hearts that kick off in an hour? There would have been one time I couldn't have answered that. There would have been a time when I would have said no. But today I say yes. Because this is glorious. To meet with God's people. To worship him together. To open his word together. Parents, grandparents, all of us, let our children, let our young people see our passion to praise God. Let them see our passion for him. As I was reading this week, I came across a Charles Spurgeon quote. I promise I do read wider than Spurgeon. It's just he's easily the most quotable at the minute. But he said this, We ought not to worship God in a half-hearted sort of way. As if it were now our duty to bless God. 
but we felt it to be a weary business and we would get through it as quickly as we could and have done with it and the sooner the better no no all that is within me bless his holy name come my heart wake up and summon all the power which wait upon thee mechanical worship is easy but worthless come rouse yourself my brother rouse thyself O my soul we are called in worship and praise to give all that we are rejoice exalt give him glory these aren't half-hearted sort of words these aren't words that can be done half-heartedly and the third thing that marks our praise it is, is it is to be done joyfully all of our christian duties everything that we do is to be done joyfully but especially our work of praising god we cannot sing the great truth of scripture and the great uh, songs of the faith in a do a manner of course there are times for lamenting and mourning but they are still met as we read in the Psalms with this un uninhabited, uninhibited praise of God. Why is it so important to gather as church? What have we missed so desperately as we sat in our homes? We missed a glimpse of heaven every time we opened our mouths and we sung together. Still the masks muffle. But it's a step. And the day we take them off and this place is full, this place erupts with praise. We see that glimpse of heaven. Rejoice, exalt, give him glory. Do I rejoice in the Lord and my Savior? Do I exalt him? Do I exalt him in practical ways? Do I put him above everything else? Do I put him before my hobbies, my work, whatever it is? Do I put him first and does whatever I do give him glory and we come then to the marriage supper of the lamb from verse 6 I love weddings I've done five of them now being married myself too and months months in advance we begin to prepare with a couple we, we meet together and we prepare and ask questions like how do we build a strong and a lasting marriage how do we ensure we can have difficult conversations how often eh, the practical things how often will we see our families how will we spend our money who's going to do the chores around the house i got that one drastically wrong in marriage prep but my wife has since forgiven me but but closer to that it's fine because i now do lots of the housework too and as it gets closer we get to the planning of it. oh you are there sorry um, we, we get to the planning of the ceremony the, the choosing and the rehearsing of vows the setting up of the building the keeping the bride and the groom relaxed and, and then having the privilege of, of bringing them together in this holy covenant do you know and the purpose of kind of the declaration of marriage and a lot in the vows of what we're asking is are you ready are you ready to commit yourself for life to this person? Hopefully by this point, both parties are prepared and they're ready before God to make that commitment to one another and they affirm it normally with the very nervous and intrepid I do. But you know, in, in biblical times, 
A marriage involved two major events. The betrothal and the wedding. And the first was like this in-between an engagement and a marriage. The two were separated by a period of time. And in this period, they were considered husband and wife. And as such, they were under that obligation of faithfulness and purity to one another. And the wedding began with a procession to the bride's house, which was followed by a return to the house of the groom for the marriage feast. Here's the analogy that, that, that I think people would, the, the earliest readers would have seen in this. The church is married to Christ by faith. And now we await his return. From when he returns to heaven to when he will return again is to remain faithful and pure. That has been the job of the Christian church from the very beginning. To remain faithful and pure. And this is where we find ourselves now. We find ourselves in, in between this period of, of Jesus paying the price for us. Again, you could have images of, of kind of the dowry system where a, a man would pay the father of his wife to be a payment as a token of his appreciation for her. Still commonplace in, in many societies. But this idea that, that, that Jesus has paid the price for his bride and he's coming back for her. He's shown what the bride means to him. And then he's going to come back for her. Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 12. That speaks right into this. Starting at verse 35. Stay dressed for action. And keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. So that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table. And he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this. That if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. The bride will be ready. We too, as the bride, must be ready here's my application arrow what is readiness how do we today prepare ourselves for the return of Jesus first and importantly repent of your sin and believe in Jesus being ready for him means this daily recognition of the sin that mars our life it involves repenting of that sin and turning to Jesus. And it's recognizing that even on my best day, the only reason that Jesus will have mercy on me is because he paid the penalty of my sin on the cross. 
And the wonderful reality of the gospel is uh, the good news is that Jesus saves me despite myself. We're thinking about praise, about worship, about uh, glorifying and exalting. May our lives exude that. May our lives be permanently as Christians thankful for what he has done. May we be ready. May we not fall asleep and take our finger off the pulse. May we never turn away from Jesus because life is too short. May we focus all our days on the King of Kings. Readiness is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Do you remember the story of Martha and Mary and how Martha and everything she was doing for Jesus? And Mary just wanted to be with Jesus. Do you know, before we become overwhelmed, and you may sense some of this as well, that now the world's opened back up, we kind of said, well, let's take things easy, let's do you know, ease back out of lockdown, and then it's been like, okay, that's the easing period done and now we're back into, into life and everything is full throttle again. Before we become overcome by the busyness of life and the things that surround us, Jesus invites us to come and to sit at his feet. We do this in prayer. We do this by studying his word, by taking simple tools like this that says, what stands out for me here? What don't I understand? And what does this mean to me? This is why we take time on our own. This is why we may meet in small groups. This is why we come to church. Because we want to know God's word so that we can know God. And thirdly, readiness is picking up our crosses daily and following him. Being a disciple of Jesus means learning the things that he has taught us. And it is seeking to put it into practice every day of our lives. Sometimes, and there are other days that that may be easier. But what it's trying to get to each of us is that each day we submit to Jesus whenever we can. We submit to what God has for us in that day. We start our day in prayer and we commit it into his hands we come to these words in verse 10 when I want to finish this John goes to worship this angelic being he's speaking to and they come back and say you must not do that I'm only a servant with you I'm just your brother I'm just here for the testimony of Jesus worship God don't worship me don't worship anything else worship God focus on him give him every bit of your praise direct every ounce of praise that you have available in your heart to him friends this morning are our hearts focused on the worship of God is the praise of your heart given to the king as I listened to something this week the guy I was listening to said this 
your eternity will be filled with that perfect joy that is never going to end. There are many distractions in this world. I don't need to tell you that. There are a million and one things that can pull us away from God. There are a million and one things that can take our attention and distract us. There are many things that can stop us from worshipping God as we should. Let's use this as an opportunity this morning as family gathered. Coming in here with various burdens, various things on our hearts. Let us take a time of silence. And I invite you to take this as an opportunity to bring your heart before God this morning. To make yourself right with him. If needs be, make things right with brothers and sisters. If there are things that are holding you back from worshipping him. But church, let us be ready. Let us be found to be faithful and pure in his sight. With our eyes firmly fixed on him. Because God will judge. God does reign. And the church will be ready. Let's take a time of silence. And then we're going to break bread together. prepare my heart would you help me to focus on you would you help me to give you the praise that you so deserve would you help us each of us to be beacons of light for you we thank you Lord that you gave us your spirit the spirit that dwells amongst us and in us this day that you did not come to earth and leave us to work it all out for ourselves but you gave us our spirit your spirit 
and you're coming back for it. Jesus, we thank you. Amen.